At Arizona State University, we've made online education better, smarter, and more personalized, so you can go further in your aspiring field. I decided to pursue medicine once I realized that ASU did have the online program for biological sciences. You're still required to learn the same curriculum. You're still being tested on the same content that anyone would be tested on in person. The comprehensiveness of the program prepared me so well for medical school. Explore over 300 programs at asuonline.asu.edu. This program is sponsored by Amplified Peace. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Amplify Peace. We are all about exploring how we can listen, learn, and live differently in this crazy world. Together, we want to discover the impact of empathy, the strength of unity, the power of love, and the beauty of humanity. I'm your host, Lisa Jernigan, and I'm super excited about today's show because I have my good friend, Maria Fuentes, and there's so much because I, I, I even asked you, Maria, I said, okay, give me a bio. And you're like, just introduce me. You know me. But I wanted, to, I want to really do you justice because there is so much to your resume. I, so I, I really didn't want you to send me a resume because it would probably take me half an hour to, to talk about it. But I just want to just a few highlights. And then I know as our conversation continues, people will hear more about the amazing work and who you are. Um, and the unique position God has placed you in, in our communities and our faith communities and even in the government. So, you most recently, and a couple of years ago, um, were the director of the Youth, Faith, and Family Department under Governor Ducey here in the state of Arizona. But you had served, you politics has kind of been in your blood and in your family because you come from Puerto Rico, where you were sharing me like, your, I don't know if it was your uncle or your dad or somebody was like the governor there, which would be like our president. And so your family, that's just what you do, right? You serve in politics. So it's probably all you, all you know is like, what else would I do? And then I know you served in D.C. for a while under the Bush administration in his faith kind of world there, advising and being really in the know on all things with that. And then you moved to Arizona, like I said, to work with Governor Ducey. Um, and I, the thing I want people to know about you, well, there's so many things, but every time I get off the phone with you, I, I want to go change the world. And I feel like I'm empowered to go change the world because of our conversations. And I have to take, give a few moments to pause and come back down to, to earth. But the thing that's so great about you is um, when we speak, and it's like, I can go blue sky, big vision. And to me, it's reality. It can happen. But to a lot of people, they discredit it because it's too big. It's like, yeah, right. We'll see. You always go, okay, and then we can, and then we can. And the uniqueness to you is you can go blue sky, big vision, big picture thinker, but then you're also, also uniquely gifted with strategy and execution, which is rare because um, you have that even more than I do. So you can take all these ideas and go, okay, I just half an hour later go, okay, here's the plan. And I love that. So I'm going to quit talking and let people hear from you. So welcome to Amplify Peace. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I feel absolutely the same way when you and I get on the phone and you start visioning and we start planning. It definitely animates me and it gets me going in a, in a special way. So I'm very grateful for our friendship and our partnership and all of the ways that you help me dream bigger. Um, I, I love that you mentioned my family. I think, you know, a lot of people because of uh, some of the jobs that I've had talk about me being in politics. Um, I like to think of myself as politics adjacent. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> we, uh, I did grow up uh, in a 
a really wonderful family with a lot of great people, some of which decided to serve in government, some of which ran for office, um, some of which are just incredibly, incredibly philanthropic. Um, and I'm a big superhero uh, Marvel fan. And I think the way I summarize my family and my upbringing was that notion uh, Spider-Man teaches us with great power comes great responsibility. Mm. And I think that uh, having worked in the spaces that I have worked with the leaders that I have worked uh, and the family uh, that raised me, I just have a big sense of responsibility and drive for service. And sometimes that has meant working in government for an elected official. Sometimes it has meant working in philanthropy in a nonprofit that comes alongside government. Um, so I've had the privilege of working um, on all different kind of facets of just improving or helping or trying to improve uh, our service array and our service delivery to support children, to support families, which supports communities. So I've been very, very blessed in the spaces um, that I have been uh, placed and the doors that have been opened uh, for me. And so I, I did have the privilege of, of starting my career with uh, President George W. Bush. I worked at the U.S. Department of Labor and the U.S. Department of Justice. Um, but really the highlight most certainly was working in the White House uh, in the faith-based office, uh, really uh, in learning from him and his vision and, and his North Star and, and his idea that uh, churches and faith-based organizations have been doing service forever. Um, and so long as the service is done in a secular way for you know, all people, um, and that it is service separate from religion. There should be no uh, no barriers to nonprofits that are faith-based or churches themselves to access the same type of resources that other nonprofits do. And so as a person that wants to make sure we are amplifying our service array in the communities and leveraging and working together, that was a very attractive notion. So it was my job to work with governors to, you know, it, coach them through, uh, encourage them to uh, do this type of initiative in their own states. And so very unplanned. Uh, someone had a plan. It just wasn't me. Uh, I ended up then working for Governor Ducey uh, in the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith and Family. And one of the, the roles and tasks there was to be the Governor's Faith-Based Office. So um, one of those moments where we realized somebody actually has a plan and, and we're just walking in the steps and trying to make uh, doing our best to fulfill those those goals and those dreams to hopefully make things better for all of us for for all of our communities and and really globally. Absolutely. Well, and we connected through COVID when um, my husband Cal was with a bunch of pastors in the valley mm -hmm. coming together trying to figure out like how do we as the church show up during this time? What are things you're doing? And you were their advisor. You would meet with them weekly just advising them of what's coming out of the governor's office what's real what's not real um kind of informing them on and as they were trying to make the best decisions they could make and then i remember my husband cal was telling me about you and he's like okay you've got to meet this woman i think you guys would really hit it off and little did he know what he sparked right and so um i've just been so appreciative of you and your voice and you do have that unique voice because you understand politics which for a lot of people even in the faith community it can be seen as um not a good thing right and a lot of times politics is weaponized because we see things through a political view not through a, a human lens mm -hmm. and that's a lot of the peacemaking work we do so you've informed a lot with me like with amplify peace and like being able to to go how do we 
allow politics to help and how do we help change, you know, laws and stuff that can help people because government is to serve the people, right? but it's gotten off track, right? And so you have a unique role because you see the uniqueness of the church, especially at this time to stand in that place. And um, you're working with our church and, and you're, you know, you're helping churches to really go, how can you stand in your identity as Jesus followers and be that? And you, you said something that I thought was really good because the church is uniquely placed, um, has always been, but especially at this time, if we really step into it, claim our identity to really meet people in ways that government or certain nonprofits cannot. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, to one of your points about politics, politics can get in the way of service and it can get in the way of public service. But sometimes you get a really strong, unique, faithful, wonderful leaders like Governor Doug Ducey, like a number of legislators that I really appreciate and, and, and I'm grateful for their service. I know some, some Arizona mem- members of Congress that are also wonderful humans that are um, elected officials, but are certainly in service to Arizona, to their state. Um, and when you find a unique, sometimes it feels unique, but when you find a leader like that with a true heart of service, and Governor Ducey certainly was one, he always encouraged me and, and the staff and everybody around him to build on that that partnership with churches. And I say churches, I mean any and all denominations, right? Um, Uh, Mm -hmm. communities of faith, faith faith-based organizations, because you are unique and and strong leaders in your community. It's not just about the services that you provide to your communities. It's also the voice that you have in your communities. It's also the how you communicate with your communities. And most importantly for me, it was learning from you about what needs exist in the community, because you have a, a finger on the pulse of communities in a way that that government just won't. Um, there, there are trust barriers, um, and you uh, church communities all over our state, all over our country, really serve as a bridge, as a communicator. Uh, but also, you know, for all of the partners that I had throughout my years in the governor's office, I was just very grateful for the way that they were able to inform me about what is happening in their communities and the types of assistance and the types of responses that government can then bring um, to help do our part um, but churches play a, a special and unique role um, in communities. And, and I've had just, it's been such a pleasure and privilege to work with so many in Arizona uh, that really want to build that trust-based relationship, uh, whether it's with government entities, with other nonprofits, to build networks of service to just help improve the lives and outcomes in our communities. Absolutely. And it goes back to the thing, we, we need to be collaborating, working together and not working separately and creating our own little kingdoms and entities. But uh, you are seeing really great movement among Mm -hmm. pastors and church leaders and nonprofits and coming together going, we have to do this together. Mm -hmm. And when we, we, we put our resources and our hearts and our prayers and all that together, what can we do in our communities to be a solution Mm -hmm. to a lot of the needs? And one of the words that I love to use, and I know you do too, is holistically. How do we holistically Mm -hmm see people in our community, not just put a Band-Aid on some of the um, challenges we have, but how do we holistically and even preemptively mm-hmm. um, get ahead of some anticipated, you know, needs and concerns coming up? And I love, because you think strategically like that, and you've sat in a unique role in 
like you said, in the political realm. But what I, I so appreciate about you is you respond as a good human. And I know that term is kind of weird, but you you don't just come from this political lens. That but that's been that informs you and you're able to speak into that and you have credibility in that, but you also um are women with a strong voice and you believe in the faith community. And I think that's a unique role to be able to navigate both and to speak into both and have credibility with both because we need both working together. Mm-hmm. But the church does have a unique role. And I just recently read this article, even just today, um, from a magazine called Comment. And the author was Ann Snyder. And she her article is really good, but she had two questions. And she, uh, it was basically, where is the church now? And where am I in the church now? And so how do we make this conversation even more personal? It's like, yes, it's about the faith community. It's about churches. It's about pastors. It's about faith leaders using their voices to um, create positive change and to, uh, and to honor the dignity of every human being, right? And seeing every human being as an image bearer of God. But the average person, the lay person sitting out there, this is not for this is not giving permission to sit back and let those that are kind of have roles and titles lead the way, but the average person can, can do something. Can you address that? What you've seen from both, both communities that you're a part of? Well, I think and as bad as sometimes it feels that our political universe, it, sometimes it just doesn't feel great these days. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In my experience, whether it's a Democrat or Republican and independent along the entire continuum, most of my experience in working with elected officials has been very positive in that I feel that most people in these roles want to help their constituency. They want to do positive things. They have different ideas on what a positive outcome may be. They have a, even if they agree on a positive outcome, they may have a different idea on how to get there. So that building that consensus and finding that common ground, um, even as sometimes lately it feels more difficult, I, I believe the heart of the individuals are there. Um, and same with, with church members and church communities. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, where are you and where are you in the church? Oftentimes it's, what is your passion? Mm-hmm. What is it that you're trying to impact and where are you as part of your greater community? Once you have those answers, then it becomes a little bit easier to find the people that want to work on, you know, making sure people are fed, making sure, you know, you have thriving, happy children in your communities. You know, finding that where are you to me sounds like what is my why? What mm-hmm. is my purpose? What drives mm-hmm. me? What animates me? Find others that are animated the same way. Find church community that find that, that is animated the same way and then walk together towards the goal. The how you get to the goal is sometimes where it gets sticky, but never losing sight of that goal. That's mm-hmm. your North Star. That is where you're going to. And so the how will work itself out. Um, there's never one, just one way to get to an outcome. There may be disagreements on the most efficient way to get to an outcome um, or the best way to get to an outcome. But finding those areas of commonalities, be it in government and with politicians in your church, what is your purpose? And then let's drive towards that end goal is just how I like to think about it, because I do believe most people have 
uh, good, strong hearts and a good sense of service and giving and engagement. And it's just how do you channel that in the most positive of ways? Absolutely. And again, working together through the faith communities, we can do so much. We do have a voice. And how do we use our voice in a respectful way that's honoring of people and that's not just leading with opinions and leading, you know, with anger. And that's what you see a lot of people, you know, because people have a label as much as people have a label of politics, they have it on the church. Right. Mm. And so how do we show up in our best selves as the Mm -hmm. church, really being the hands and feet of Jesus Mm -hmm. and not leading with our opinions, but leading with our hearts and -hmm. our hands to really serve the community and see them in light of how, how Jesus would see the community and that's really the goal. And then how do you like to what you said, then where's my passion? Where's my calling? My why? How can I step in? Because really, we can't afford to be silent bystanders. Mm-hmm. None of us can. We all have given a responsibility just because we're living and it looks differently and we have different seasons of life and we have different, um, depending on our seasons, the time commitment we can give, mm-hmm. but we can all pray. Mm-hmm. And we can all send notes of encouragement. And we can all do our own homework and research and be informed, right? And so, like, what are the things that we can do that I don't have to wait for the right season of life to do? But also it's about being in community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, to your point, exactly, everyone can do something um, and everyone's something looks different. I mean, we can all do our best and our best looks different uh, depending on the time, the season, the everything. Um, I think, you know, there's so much to do. There's so much that any individual or, or church community can do to affect positive change, that there's really no wrong answer. Um, so long as it's something that is, is animating you and motivating you to, you know, do good for an individual or a community. I think when um, I worked in a governmental role, and, you know, Governor Ducey and I talked about this all the time, there's, there's some things that government is great at. There's some things that government, it, that is their role. And we're talking, you know, first responders, safety, you know, those real, you know, basic needs. But when you talk about serving in a way that is holistic, that makes a person whole, you can't do that as government all by yourself. You can't do that as a church all by yourself. I think to, to do service and to respond to needs in a holistic way means us stepping out of our individual spaces and connecting with others in different spaces so that we can build those networks, those connections, and those relationships in trust and faith to then be able to offer what our communities need in a holistic way. Because no one entity and no one person should have the responsibility of, of making something whole, nor is it going to be uh, likely that successful because everybody has strengths. And if we all play to each other's strengths and fill in each other's weaknesses, I think that that's been really my, my driver and motivation from a governmental role. And now if there's an opportunity for me to help bridge, you know, make those bridges between um, different serving organizations um, that's that's really been a passion for me because there's so many people out there, individuals and service organizations that do such incredible work. How much more powerful if we were all better connected? And you leave politics at the politics is you know it has its place. It, it's going to run its course. It's going to do its thing. But what are those positive outcomes that we want to see in individuals and in our communities? What are those areas that animate us as individuals and communities? And then how do we work together to affect change? 
I, I, everything you just said is so great because I think a lot of times people look at all the challenges and they see the political landscape and it's overwhelming and there's a lot of fear with mm-hmm. it. And so what we tend to do is nothing, mm-hmm. right? Or we just keep talking about our opinions, mm-hmm. but we can do something. We can make a change. Talk about that a little bit because we I, a lot of times, and you know, I'm sure there's listeners out there because I even do this. It's like, I'm only one person. Really, mm-hmm. what can I do? And does it really make a difference? Does it really matter? But it's that whole multiplying thing. I mean, I mean, we always talk about this, but from your unique position that you've had and that you do have, how would you address that to people when they go, when they just look at the political landscape with fear and being overwhelmed and who do I trust and what is real? How, what would you say to people like that? I think it can. (laughs) Yeah. No pressure, right? No, I think it can be, um, for, for a lot of folks, a very discouraging time, given the rhetoric and the space and, and how people are talking to each other and about each other in some of these spaces. But I always try to, for myself, remember that each and every one of these candidates are just people. They're humans. They're human beings doing hopefully the best that they can in the space that they're in. Um, and I always look for, for individuals that demonstrate you know, integrity uh, strong North stars that, you know, so, so that's where I try to keep my heart open, not just my ears and my eyes to what I am seeing on news and social media, but really keep my spirit and heart open to, to what it feels and get as much information from different sources as possible. Um, but, you know, a lot and, and vote, register and vote. And, and even if you're discouraged and you don't think it matters, it matters. It matters tremendously. It's how we protect our systems. It's how we protect our country. It, it, all of that, I think, is critical. So I, I advise to listen with your heart and I advise to register and to do your best and vote. Um, and in terms of your own fulfillment, my own fulfillment and engagement, the way I get it is getting involved in actual service and action. You know, once uh, an elected official is in office, I also remember that they are just human beings. And so I just go talk to them about things that matter and from a from a solution focused approach, right? You know, we're seeing this challenge, what about this solution or that solution much better than uh, a complaining about things approach, because they are just people that that took on these roles, you know, to help, right, in theory. But getting involved in your community level listening to the different opportunities that may exist at your church, at your kids' school, um, volunteerism, that is another way that I think you can be more involved that is fulfilling to you in, in issues and areas that are fulfilling to you, where you know we're not just relying on elected officials to make the world a better place because they can't do it on their own, even if they are the best of the best. They can't, they they need us and they need those partnerships and we need those relationships uh, and start building trust and start building areas of consensus and agreement. We're not going to agree on everything, but on the things that we do and the things that we all want to improve, let's start there, right? Um, Because all of those relationships, be it faith, nonprofit, businesses, education spaces, governmental spaces, there's ways for... um, there's a need, not just ways, there's ways to work together, but there's a need to break down those barriers, whether it's fear, distrust, because our communities will be better for it. Mm. You're absolutely right. It's it's like, how do we start focusing on, on tearing down the barriers and rebuilding? 
mm-hmm. instead of just perpetuating more of the same narrative of, yes, that's so bad, that's so wrong. And we keep perpetuating that. But it's like, what if we ourselves started listening to our own our own words that are coming out? And and are the words that we're using and the conversations we're having, are they are they productive or are they counterproductive? Am I um, propelling a, a negative nar- narrative or am I trying to be a part of creating solutions? Mm-hmm. And I said, it start, I think it starts with ourselves, being aware of our own conversations, but our own thoughts and thinking, like how do we change our own, our own self? And, um, and, and that's where it starts, right? Because we can point to somebody else all day long and go, they should, they should, they didn't. But when we look inside of ourselves, because it's it's like what we say, peace starts inside with us first, because mm-hmm. you can't give away what you don't own. Mm-hmm. And I love that you you've challenged us in so many ways. Gone are the days that we can just sit back and watch, truly, yeah. right? Yeah. To be in community with each other. Absolutely. And and I find that regardless of somebody's party, you know, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Conservative. If, if, if the conversation is about solutions, you know, sometimes data driven lived experience and form solutions and how we can help a particular issue, the politics are out the door for the most part mm-hmm. in terms of trying to at least entertain that conversation of a solution. Um, and those conversations build the trust and those conversations build the relationship. And it may feel slow sometimes and frustrating, but we can't not, we can't avoid, you know, we have to do it. Because it's how we get moving. Well, and and we're so wired for instant um, results, Mm -hmm. right? And we go, is this, does this really matter what I'm doing? And a lot of times this work, the work of politics and the work in the faith community and the peacemaking work is planting seeds for the next generation. That's right. Right. And because I go, I I know a lot of the work that we're doing, I may never see the fruit of it, but it doesn't mean I don't do it. Right. Because hopefully you're building its generational mindsets in the work we're doing. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show and just getting to talk to you again. And every time I do and hear your heart, I'm just, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So thank you. Thank so you as so. always, thanks for being part of this podcast and the Amplify Peace community. For more information on living as a peacemaker in today's world, connect with us at AmplifyPeace.com and you can follow us on all social media. Shalom. This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace.